Section 13 of The Essence of Christianity by Ludwig Feuerbach. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Essence of Christianity by Ludwig Feuerbach. Translated from the German by Marion Evans. Chapter 9 the mystery of mysticism or of nature in god part two the doctrine of nature in god is borrowed from jacob Böhme, but in the original it has a far deeper and more interesting significance than in its second modernized and emasculated edition jacob Böhme has a profoundly religious mind Religion is the center of his life and thought, but at the same time the significance which has been given to nature in modern times, by the study of natural science, by Spinozism, materialism, empiricism, has taken possession of his religious sentiment. He has opened his senses to nature, thrown a glance into her mysterious being, but it alarms him, and he cannot harmonize this terror at nature with his religious conceptions. Quoting Burma, When I look into the great depths of this world, and at the sun and stars, also at the clouds, also at the rain and snow, and consider in my mind the whole creation of this world, then I found in all things evil and good, love and anger, in unreasoning things such as wood, stone, earth, and the elements, as well as in men and beasts. But because I found that in all things there was good and evil, in the elements as well as in the creatures, and that it goes as well in the world with the godless as with the pious, also that the barbarous nations possess the best lands and have more prosperity than the godly, I was therefore altogether melancholy and extremely troubled, and the scriptures could not console me, though almost all well known to me, and therewith assuredly the devil was not idle, for he often thrust upon me heathenish thoughts, of which I will here be silent. End quote. But while his mind seized with fearful earnestness the dark side of nature, which did not harmonize with the religious idea of a heavenly creator, he was, on the other hand, rapturously affected by her resplendent aspects. Jacob Böhme has a sense for nature. He preconceives, nay, he feels the joys of the mineralogist, of the botanist, of the chemist, the joys of godless natural science. He is enraptured by the splendor of jewels, the tones of metals, the hues and odors of plants, the beauty and gentleness of many animals. In another place, speaking of the revelation of God in the phenomenon of light, the process by which, now quoting, there arises in the Godhead the wonderful and beautiful structure of the heavens in various colors and kinds, and every spirit shows itself in its form specially, he says. I can compare it with nothing but with the noblest precious stones, such as the ruby, emerald, epidote, onyx, sapphire, diamond, jasper, hyacinth, amethyst, beryl, sardine, carbuncle, and the like. Elsewhere, 
but regarding the precious stones such as the carbuncle, ruby, emerald, epidote, onyx, and like, which are the very best, these have the very same origin, the flash of light in love. For that flash is born in tenderness, and is the heart in the center of the fountain spirit, wherefore those stones also are mild, powerful, and lovely. It is evident that Jakob Böhme had no bad taste in mineralogy, that he had a delight in flowers also, and consequently a faculty for botany, is proved by the following passages among others. The heavenly powers gave birth to the joy-giving fruits and colors, to all sorts of trees and shrubs, whereupon grows the beauteous and lovely fruit of life. Also there springs up in these powers all sorts of flowers with beauteous heavenly colors and scents. Their taste is various, in each according to its quality and kind, altogether holy, divine, and joy-giving. If thou desirest to contemplate the heavenly, divine pomp and glory as they are, and to know what sort of products, pleasures, or joys there are above, look diligently at this world, at the varieties of fruits and plants that grow upon the earth, trees, shrubs, vegetables, roots, flowers, oils, wine, corn, and everything that is there, and that thy heart can search out. All this is an image of the heavenly pomp." End quote. A despotic fiat could not suffice as an explanation of the origin of nature to Jacob Burma. Nature appealed too strongly to his senses and lay too near his heart. Hence he thought for a natural explanation of nature. But he necessarily found no other ground of explanation than those qualities of nature which made the strongest impression on him. Jacob Burma, this is his essential character, is a mystical natural philosopher, a theosophic vulcanist and neptunist, for according to him all things had their origin in fire and water. Nature had fascinated Jacob's religious sentiments. Not in vain did he receive his mystical light from the shining tin utensils, but the religious sentiment works only within itself. It has not the force, not the courage, to press forward to the examination of things in their reality. It looks at all things through the medium of religion. It sees all in God, i.e., in the entrancing, soul-possessing splendor of the imagination. It sees all in images and as an image. But nature affected his mind in an opposite manner. Hence, he must place this opposition in God himself. For the supposition of two independently existing, opposite, original principles would have afflicted his religious sentiment. He must distinguish in God himself a gentle, beneficent element and a fierce, consuming one. Everything fiery, bitter, harsh, contradicting, dark, cold, comes from a divine harshness and bitterness. Everything mild, lustrous, warming, tender, soft, yielding, from a mild, soft, luminous quality in God. Thus there are creatures on earth, in water and in the air, each creature out of its own science, out of good and evil, 
and one sees before one's eyes that there are good and evil creatures as venomous beasts and serpents from the centre of the nature of darkness from the power of the fierce quality which only want to dwell in darkness abiding in caves and hiding themselves from the sun by each animal's food and dwelling we see whence they have sprung for every creature needs to dwell with its mother it yearns after her as is plain to their sight gold silver precious stones and all bright metal has its origin in the light which appeared before the times of anger etc everything which in the substance of this world is yielding soft and thin is flowing and gives itself forth and the ground and origin of it is in the eternal unity for unity ever flows forth from itself for in the nature of things not dense as water and air we can understand no susceptibility or pain they being one in themselves in short heaven is as rich as the earth everything that is on this earth is in heaven all that is in nature is in god but in the latter it is divine heavenly in the former earthly visible external material but yet the same when i write of trees shrubs fruits thou must not understand me of earthly things such as are in this world for it is not my meaning that in heaven there grows a dead hard wooden tree or a stone of earthly qualities no my meaning is heavenly and spiritual but yet truthful and literal thus i mean no other things than what i write in the letters of the alphabet i e in heaven there are the same trees and flowers but the trees in heaven are the trees which bloom and exhale in my imagination without making coarse material impressions upon me the trees on earth are the trees which i perceive through my senses the distinction is the distinction between imagination and perception it is not my undertaking says jacob Böhme himself to describe the course of all stars their place and name or how they have yearly conjunction or opposition or quadrate or the like what they do yearly and hourly which through long years has been discovered by wise skilful ingenious men by diligent contemplation and observation and deep thought and calculation i have not learned and studied these things and leave scholars to treat of them but my understanding is to write according to the spirit and thought not according to sight the doctrine of nature in god aims by naturalism to establish theism especially the theism which regards the supreme being as a personal being but personal theism conceives god as a personal being separate from all material things it excludes from him all development because that is nothing else than the self-separation of a being from circumstances and conditions which do not correspond to its true idea and this does not take place in god because in him beginning and middle are not to be distinguished because he is at once what he is is from the beginning what he is to be what he can be he is the pure unity of existence and essence 
reality and idea, act and will. Deus suum esse ist. Herein theism accords with the essence of religion. All religions, however positive they may be, rest on abstraction. They are distinguished only in that from which the abstraction is made. Even the Homeric gods, with all their living strength and likeness to man, are abstract forms. They have bodies like men, but bodies from which the limitations and difficulties of the human body are eliminated. The idea of a divine being is essentially an abstracted, distilled idea. It is obvious that this abstraction is no arbitrary one, but is determined by the essential standpoint of man. As he is, as he thinks, so does he make his abstraction. The abstraction expresses a judgment, an affirmative and a negative one at the same time, praise and blame. What man praises and approves, that is God to him. What he blames, condemns, is the non-divine. Religion is a judgment. The most essential condition in religion, in the idea of the divine being, is accordingly the discrimination of the praiseworthy from the blameworthy, of the perfect from the imperfect, in a word, of the positive from the negative. The cultus itself consists in nothing else than in the continual renewal of the origin of religion, a solemnizing of the critical discrimination between the divine and the non-divine. The divine being is the human being glorified by the death of abstraction. It is the departed spirit of man. In religion, man frees himself from the limits of life. He here lets fall what oppresses him, obstructs him, affects him repulsively. God is the self-consciousness of man freed from all discordant elements. Man feels himself free, happy, blessed in his religion, because he only here lives the life of genius and keeps holiday. The basis of the divine idea lies for him outside of that idea itself. Its truth lies in the prior judgment, in the fact that all which he excludes from God is previously judged by him to be non-divine, and what is non-divine to be worthless, nothing. If he were to include the attaining of this idea in the idea itself, it would lose its most essential significance, its true value, its beatifying charm. The divine being is the pure subjectivity of man, freed from all else, from everything objective, having relation only to itself, enjoying only itself reverencing only itself, his most subjective, his inmost self. The process of discrimination, the separating of the intelligent from the non-intelligent, of personality from nature, of the perfect from the imperfect, necessarily therefore takes place in the subject, not in the object, and the idea of God lies not at the beginning, but at the end of sensible existence, of the world of nature. Where nature ceases, God begins. 
because God is the ne plus ultra, the last limit of abstraction. That from which I can no longer abstract is God. The last thought which I am capable of grasping, the last, i.e. the highest, id quo nihil maius cogitare potest deus est that this omega of sensible existence becomes an alpha also is easily comprehensible but the essential point is that he is the omega the alpha is primarily a consequence because god is the last or the highest he is also the first and this predicate the first being has by no means immediately a cosmogonic significance but only implies the highest rank. The creation in the Mosaic religion has for its end to secure to Jehovah the predicate of the highest and first, the true and exclusive God, in opposition to idols. The effort to establish the personality of God through nature has therefore at its foundation an illegitimate, profane mingling of philosophy and religion a complete absence of criticism and knowledge concerning the genesis of the personal god where personality is held the essential attribute of god where it is said an impersonal god is no god there personality is held to be in and by itself the highest and most real thing there it is presupposed that everything which is not a person is dead is nothing that only personal existence is real absolute existence is life and truth but nature is impersonal and is therefore a trivial thing the truth of personality rests only on the untruth of nature to predicate personality of god is nothing else than to declare personality as the absolute essence but personality is only conceived in distinction, in abstraction from nature. Certainly a merely personal God is an abstract God, but so he ought to be, that is, involved in the idea of him, for he is nothing else than the personal nature of man positing itself out of all connection with the world making itself free from all dependence on nature in the personality of god man consecrates the supernaturalness immortality independence unlimitedness of his own personality in general the need of a personal god has its foundation in this that only in the attribute of personality does the personal man meet with himself find himself substance pure spirit mere reason does not satisfy him is too abstract for him i e does not express himself does not lead him back to himself and man is content happy only when he is with himself with his own nature hence the more personal man is the stronger is his need for a personal god the free abstract thinker knows nothing higher than freedom he does not need to attach to it a personal being for him freedom in itself as such is a real 
positive thing. A mathematical, astronomical mind, a man of pure understanding, an objective man, who is not shut up in himself, who feels free and happy only in the contemplation of objective rational relations, in the reason which lies in things in themselves, such a man will regard the substance of Spinoza or some similar idea as the highest being, and be full of antipathy toward a personal, i.e., subjective God. Jacobi, therefore, was a classic philosopher, because, in this respect at least, he was consistent. He was at unity with himself, as was his God, so was his philosophy, personal, subjective. The personal God cannot be established otherwise than as he is established by Jacobi and his disciples. Personality is proved only in a personal manner. Personality may be, nay, must be, founded on a natural basis. But this natural basis is attained only when I cease to grope in the darkness of mysticism, when I step forth into the clear daylight of real nature and exchange the idea of the personal God for the idea of personality in general. But into the idea of the personal God, the positive idea of whom is liberated disembodied personality, released from the limiting force of nature, to smuggle again this very nature is as perverse as if I were to mix Brunswick mum with the nectar of the gods, in order to give the ethereal beverage a solid foundation. Certainly the ingredients of animal blood are not to be derived from the celestial juice which nourishes the gods. But the flower of sublimation arises only through the evaporation of matter. Why, then, wilt thou mix with the sublimate that very matter from which thou hast disengaged it? Certainly the impersonal existence of nature is not to be explained by the idea of personality. But where personality is a truth, or rather the absolute truth, nature has no positive significance, and consequently no positive basis. The literal creation out of nothing is here the only sufficient ground of explanation, for it simply says this, Nature is nothing, and this precisely expresses the significance which nature has for absolute personality. End of section 13